Hi Brickies, I'm Dominic, the last one standing with a kink for cannibalism. And I'm Kate, the resident phobia expert who also hears voices. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about stuff that scares us. Ripping a few laughs and survival tips along the way. As always, please subscribe, rate and review us. And don't forget to follow us on the socials at Shit and Bricks Podcast. Like the morning after a night on the curries and cans, here it comes. So drop your ducks, pop a squat and let's get into it. Well, hi there. <laughs> hello. <laughs> oh, hello. It's Euphigenae Dapfire, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't work with the boys. I used to be one. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching Tiki Tokies the other day and someone has re-edited the Mrs. Doubtfire trailer as if it was a horror film. That is what I use for one of my lesson plans. Oh, really? You've In seen media. it? Oh, Yeah, yeah, oh. I've seen it. There's a couple of them, but I use that as an example because I get my kids to do that. They have to recreate a trailer and make it a, a different genre. And that's oh. one of the examples I use. It's so good. It is brilliant. And I, I want a horror version of it. It's It would be amazing. Actually, no. Right now, in certain parts of the world, you know who you are. People dressing up in drag is causing a lot of drama unnecessarily. Oh. And we don't need a horror movie to spur them on. Yeah, fair enough. So... I rescind that. Let's stop making it. Cut production. Hi, Dom. Hi, Kate. How are you? <laughs> I'm so well. How are you going? <laughs> really good. I've got a wine in hand, so I'm very oh, good. I've just got some water at the moment. You're looking very fresh. I had a shower. It was my weekly shower. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going? I'm doing really good. It's going to be a busy week for us because... It's not going to impact any of the people listening, but Kate and I are going on a bit of a recording frenzy because I'll be going away for two weeks and Kate and I need to pre-record so you don't miss any episodes and Kate and I get a bit of a break. Yeah, sounds like a plan, Stan. What's news with you, Catherine? Well, uh, I bought a new TV. <gasps> oh, that's good. Um, yeah, my TV was... I was just could sense it was on its last leg. So I went ahead and treated myself and I set that up and it's very nice. I'm very happy with it. Swish so bang. It is. <laughs> it's a bit of swish bang just for me. But I did my meal prep today and, you know, I'll be ready for the week. I just need to iron some shirts. You are so organised. Well done. I like to be. It sets me up for the week, you know. Gold star. Ready for success. Thank you. All right. Well, let's get some... House creeping out of the way. Yeah, I decided to go low for once. Mm. You know the drill, folks. Please check us out on all of our social media channels, shitten.bricks.podcast. We're on all of them. We've got so many fun reels on our Tiki Tokis and our Instagrams at the moment. It's hilarious. Because Kate especially is really goddamn funny. (laughs) We compliment each other. And then, as always, please go check out our Patreon. Again, shitten.bricks.podcast. Sign up, become one of our brickies, get access to some free content and early access stuff. So it's really, you know, it's a no-brainer. Just go ahead and do it. That's right. 
And if you listen to last week's episode, we love it when people write into us, especially if you've got like commentary or like, you know, inside gossip on a, on a recent story or a story that we should do. So please just email us at shitten.bricks.podcast at gmail.com as well. Please do. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And last but not least, as you should know, we're five-star quality entertainment. Five star. <laughs> True. Kate's got an extra star on her butt as well, just because. Yeah. You know. Because I'm going to iron some shirts. Yeah, we're winning at life. <laughs> but please, at the end of the episode, take a few seconds just to give us rating and review. It does wonders for us. So, yes, it thank does. you. Thank you so much, Dom, for your housekeeping. I have a little bit of my own <gasps> to a degree. Do it. So one of the um, people that I need to start out with by apologising to uh, is Helen the Librarian. Now, Helen (laughs) is the librarian at a school I used to work at, um, Forest Hill College. You can find them. They have a very active social media also. She is exceptional at making reels and videos and content all about how libraries are important for school children and how much fun they can be and how they're not just a resource for going to borrow books or sitting quietly. They're a resource for a whole myriad of things. So you can follow them at FHC Library. I recommend go and have a peek because she's very good. But... I need to apologize to her because today's episode (laughs) is me reading passages from this book, which is called Get Me Out of Here, and it is Foolish and Fearless Convict Escapes. So, Helen, I have this, and I will return it after this episode, I swear. Please don't write in um, because I already know, and you're going to be very cross with me because when I left, you did say, Congratulations on the new job. Don't forget to return your books all together. And I have forgotten. But um, I've now remembered, and this is coming back to you, I I swear. But the good news is too, you know, you could share this with some of the students and be like, do you want a reading of a book that's kind of aimed at like grade six, year seven? Because here it is. (laughs) I'm going to bring it to you for today's episode. Yeah, we're doing um, a bit of advertisement for you, Helen, and I actually challenge you, why don't you get on your social media and make a post or a reel or something about what punishment Kate and I, <laughs> I will throw myself in the ring here because oh, I'm affiliated true. with Kate. Yep. What's our punishment? What do we have to do? What do we need to do? Please on camera. <laughs> and one of the other things that it reminded me of, and this doesn't have anything to do with Helen specifically, aside that her name is Helen is every time she would walk past me uh, or I'd see her, I would say, hi, Helen. And that comes from a film (laughs) called Fern Gully, where Batty, played by Robin Williams, would say, human tails? Humans don't have tails. They they have big, big bottoms that they wear with bad shorts and they walk around going, hi, Helen. (laughs) Every single time I would think, "Uh, there's Helen. I would go, hi, Helen. Uh, nothing to do with the big, big bottoms or the baggy shorts, I promise you. Um, but it's just, what a day. I um, have my get me out of here and I'm going to share the tale with you all. I love this. And Ferntree Gully, <laughs> absolute iconic, iconic Gully? film. Yeah. Or Fern Gully. Fern Gully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listeners, Ferntree Gully is a suburb in Melbourne. <laughs> 
Oh, Lordy, I it did it. It is not based. It's got nothing to do with the film. I don't think they do a lot of, um, oh, maybe they do a lot of tree felling up there. Potentially. It is quite a for, forestrial, that's a new word, forestrial <laughs> locale. So they might. But Ferngully, very good. Classic. For those <laughs> folks that are too young and grew up with Avatar, Ferngully yeah. was our avatar of Kate and I's generation before they yeah. had like 3D and CGI and all that sort of stuff. It's yeah, literally like 3D. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost scene for scene. Almost. Uh, from... And they and they didn't uh, go ahead and name the uh, you know, the mineral that they were looking for was not named unobtainium, which mm. to this day I will never, ever forgive James Cameron for that. Ever. I'm sorry. Lack of creativity. Oh, but I mean, he. I was just going to go into the papyrus font that was used for the, for the <laughs> title as well. All right, but I need to start you off with, before I get into this, I like to talk about phobias, you know that? Mm-hmm. The one that I found that works really well with this convict story is chronophobia. Okay. Now, this is also known as prison neurosis. So it's considered an anxiety disorder, which describes the fear of time and time moving forward, which is commonly seen in prison inmates. Next to prison inmates, chronophobia is also identified in individuals experiencing quarantine during (gasps) COVID-19. Oh, my God. This is so good, Kate. Yeah. I mean, it's not great to have that phobia. Yeah, Yeah. that phobia. But chrono, I imagine, is, you know, from the you know, chronological time, time passing phobia, phobia. I didn't even look up the etymology today because I just thought it was made sense. But we've all experienced a little bit of this, I'm sure, over the past three years. Wow. Yeah, we can actually, do you know what? Even people in the workplace mm. need to think of this. Like HR teams out there should should know and be aware that there actually is a like whether it's a phobia or you know whatever it is that yeah. this is properly recorded and yeah that's right legit. Time, you know time and time moving forward so and I suppose when you don't have anything else to think about but there's so many things everything's time-based it's everything has a due date what is time Kate what is time <laughs> what who are we who are you is this too deep a conversation to have on a Sunday <laughs> evening <laughs> Oh, it's okay. If we start deep now, don't worry, I'm going to lighten it right up with the content of this book because it is also a picture book. <laughs> and for those of you who can see some of our content on our socials, it's got some great illustrations. In it. Um, this book, I should say as well, is by uh, Pauline Deves and it's been illustrated by Brent Wilson. So thank you both for creating this little tome for me to read out for my story today. These stories take place in Australia. So this is a bit of an Australiana uh story oi, oi, oi. yeah <laughs> so i'm going to tell you a story of a few prisoners who have escaped there's also some uh factoids about australian prisons um about convicts all of that sort of stuff so it's just going to be a bit of a fun ride not particularly spoopy today but sometimes you know after ivan malat we might need to just uh lighten it up a little so here we are yeah and if you've maybe you've been to prison maybe you've been to jail uh, yeah actually and if you've been to jail, it has to be G-A-O-L, not J-A-I-L. Gail, have you been to Gail? The good news is every every input of jail in this book is spelt G-A-O-L because that's what they were referred to back then. Old school. Old school. 
Okay, I'm going to start you off with our first story for today. It is a story of Moondyne Joe. Do you know Moondyne Joe, Dom? Does she do like the cabaret number down at the old fish market every Saturday night? That was Moondyne June. Moondyne June, not Joe. Um, so this is Joe. Now, here is a little background on Moondyne Joe. So his name was Joseph Belitho Johns, also known as Moondyne Joe. His date of birth was around 1826. Oh. So just we were just a couple of years later, Dom. Uh, he was born in Wales or Cornwall, hard to say. Records are tricky in 1826. He was a miner, so that was his job. His description is he was tall with black hair, hazel eyes, and a pockmarked face. Oh, he was sounding handsome up until then. I know. Well, I mean, yeah, I can show you the little <laughs> up until the pockmarked face. <laughs> now, his crime was stealing food and he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. That's hectic. Mm. Uh he was transported to Western Australia and he arrived in Australia in 1853. He escaped from Fremantle Prison. So Fremantle is a city in Western Australia. Now, these stories are told by the prisoner's perspective. I love it. It's this fictional, like we're going to hear from Moondyne Joe. <laughs> it's great. So here we go. I can't, be- and I could do voices, but I'll throw myself right off, so I shouldn't. I can't believe it. I was captured while I was asleep and now I'm going back in jail again. Governor Hampton is saying all sorts of things about me, that I'm a scoundrel and a rascal and that I'm setting a bad example for other convicts. He's angry at me for escaping and he's angry at his son for letting me escape. His son is supposed to be in charge of the convicts and making sure everything goes smoothly. Instead, convicts are escaping all over the place. Mm. But you can't believe everything they say about me. Like the time they said I stole a horse. I'd built a fence around a pool of water and left a gap just big enough for a horse to come in and have a drink. Could I help it if just one just wandered in and started drinking it? And could, <laughs> and could I help it if I'm the kind of fellow and I thought I should take it and look after it? I put my brand on its neck to show that it was mine. How was I supposed to know that that horse belonged to someone else? <laughs> Imagine if it just trotted in and it had like a full saddle and kit and like a name tag on it. He's like, I don't know it's someone else's. The police came after me (laughs) and said that I had stolen it. They put me in the local jail in a cell with a big lock on the door. They put the horse in the police stables and said it was evidence. (laughs) I thought for a moment there they were going to say they put the horse in the cell next to me. (laughs) (laughs) You're an accomplice. (sighs) Oh, goodness me. They were going to show the the magistrate the brand on the horse and that I'd be sentenced to stay in jail for a long time. Well, I thought if the horse disappeared, there'd be no evidence and then they'd have to let me go. (laughs) The police gave me dinner and they gave me a knife and fork, a strong knife to cut my meat or perhaps loosen the screws on the lock. I did cut my meat. (laughs) You didn't waste that. Just in case. And then then that lock came loose in the twinkle of an eye. This is a little wily fellow, it's Moondyne Joe. Uh, then I was in the police stables and it seemed a good idea to ride the horse out of there. No horse, no evidence. Simple. (laughs) That is on a t-shirt if I've ever seen Uh, one. No horse, no no evidence. (laughs) Of course, I needed a saddle and bridle and there was a brand new one right there. How was I supposed to know that they belonged to the magistrate, the magistrate who was going to sentence me? How was I supposed to know? Hey, if you I, if you go in this far, you may as well just go full blown 
Go for it. Well, yeah. it, but he didn't know. It didn't, you know, it didn't have the magistrate's name on it. He's just in the police stables and just assumed that they didn't belong to anybody. So magistrate's okay. mum is embroidered, you know, <laughs> initials. <laughs> exactly. I headed home and I did what I had to do. Then I disappeared on foot into the bush. I'm not sure what that is referring to, where it says, because it says, I headed home and I dot, 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 did what I had to do. Does he mean he had to go to like the toilet? And... Does it mean he got rid of the horse? oh maybe yeah that dot 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 includes a lot of information that's like the yada 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 of this story but what getting rid of a horse's corpse like yeah that's that's not a it's not a easy no are you speaking from experience yeah yeah. (laughs) hey just because i'm italian and we put horses heads in beds doesn't mean i know what to do with a corpse well, Moondine Joe did what he had to do, whatever that means, whatever those dot, dot, dots mean. Then I disappeared on foot into the bush. It's not hard to survive out there, you know. I reckon I would have to. Uh, but somehow they managed to find me. They gave me three years in jail. So he gets three years for stealing a horse, stealing the, I'm sure, expensive equipment to ride the horse, and then potentially putting down said horse, he gets three years. But to stealing a loaf of bread, he gets 10 years. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, actually, I realise he would have been sentenced in London for stealing food. So they sent him here to to live that convict life out here in Australia. So, so maybe we were easier on I was about prince. to say, moral of the story, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Oh, guys, it's okay. Good news story. I heard they found the horse later. <sighs> Alive? Dead? <laughs> well, oh, <laughs> I should have kept reading. (laughs) (laughs) I heard they found the horse later. Someone had shot it dead and hidden the head and neck and scraped away the skin where I put my brand. Now, who would do a thing like that? (laughs) What what did the horse ever do? Sorry, listeners. It was evidence. He was destroying the evidence. All right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have skimmed this story. I promise I read the other ones. But this is more fun. We're learning together. Everybody, get on board. Uh, Then there's the other story that they tell about me, about the time when I was out working on a road gang with chains on my feet. Annoying things, chains. They rub your skin and make your legs ache. Could I help it if my chains fell off? (laughs) This guy's like a a magician. (laughs) Maybe I helped them fall off, but I wasn't going to stay around and work on the roads if I could slip off into the bush. I was on the run for a month before they finally tracked me down. They say I'm always breaking things to try to get away, but I can't help it if things just fall apart when I'm around. (laughs) (laughs) Like the time I was in prison. Um, I was in a prison cell and the window of my cell came loose. I hardly touched it. I thought I might as well get a bit of fresh air and I found myself getting over the prison walls. (laughs) Like what am I supposed to do? I'm Moondine Joe. I decided that it might be safer if I went to live in South Australia. I knew there would be a bit of desert to cross before I arrived, but I thought if I prepared well, I'd make it. I robbed a couple of stores and got all the supplies I needed. The day I robbed the store in Tudier was the day the governor just happened to be visiting. Some people say I did it just to embarrass him. Now, why would I do that? (laughs) And his horse goes missing. I've heard there's a song about me and the governor and that people are singing it all over Fremantle. Children hide behind walls and sing it when the governor goes to church. Prisoners hum it to annoy their guards. It goes like this. 
The governor's son has got the pip. The governor's got the measles. For Moondine Joe is given the slip. Pop goes the weasel. <laughs> I bet you he wrote that himself. I guarantee it. And he just, yeah, passed it on. The governor is not popular. A lot of people think it's funny that I keep giving him the slip, making him look silly. A few times when I've escaped, people have let me hide in their stables or given me food. I've got a lot of tricks, all right, but the police still keep catching me. Well, a person has to sleep, doesn't he? That's how they got me this time. Hardly seems fair to capture a poor fellow while he's snoozing. But now here I am back in jail and I'm about to be put in the governor's favourite cell. Oh. <laughs> the prison is made of huge blocks of stone. This cell also has big, tough planks of wood lining the walls. They're hammered in with iron spikes, so I won't be knocking any blocks out, even with a steak knife. They gave him a jackhammer in case there's just, uh, you know, one lying in the (laughs) corner. (laughs) The window has bars and a sheet of metal mesh covering it. There's nothing in the cell. I'll be sleeping on the floor. It's dark day and night and almost no air gets in. I'm allowed only a wooden spoon to eat my food. I've heard the governor is so sure I can't escape, he's boasting about it. If Moondine Joe can get out of here, I'll give him his freedom. Oh, don't you, don't know. you tempt him. Don't you tempt him with a good time. <laughs> he is absolutely in. Uh, that sentence there where it said, there's nothing in the cell, I'm sleeping on the floor. It's dark day and night and almost no air gets in. I would be okay with the darkness, providing I could get a little bit of air. What would you choose? Would you choose light over air or what would you pick if you're in this situation? Ooh, um... They're both uncomfortable. Look, if it was like 40 degrees every day or something, then, yeah, I need yeah. some air. But I think I would struggle more with the darkness. Like okay. I was afraid of the dark as a kid. Light mm-hmm. gives me energy and like comfort. Good, and- yeah, all that sort of stuff. Like I'd feel more hopeful if it were light. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, now, Moondine Joe is in prison. He's, you know, the governor's boasting that he can't escape. <laughs> The months are crawling by. I've lost count how long I've been here. It's been a terrible time. I'm not getting much food. I never see the sun and I feel very sick. The doctor came to look at me. He says I need exercise and fresh air. He says I might die. And that makes the governor nervous. He doesn't like me, but he doesn't want me to die either. That would make him look bad and he's unpopular enough already. (laughs) He says I can go out mm, and break big rocks into little rocks for roads and stone walls. I have to stay in the yard with nobody but a guard. There are high walls all around. One connects to the back of the superintendent's house. Each night the guard will come and check how much work I've done and then he'll take the rocks away to be used for building. I wonder, Mm. dot, dot, dot. My guard watches every move I make. It'll be impossible to break out of here. I think the governor might have won. Moving forward in time. (laughs) I have a new guard. He is grumpy and lazy and snoozes in the shade all day. He can't even be bothered taking away my pile of rocks each night. The pile is getting higher and higher. My guard doesn't seem to care if I'm working in front of the pile or beside it or behind it or on the wall near the superintendent's house. The guard has closed his eyes. He's snoozing. As long as he hears me banging at the rocks with the sledgehammer, he's happy. I bang some rocks and then bang at the jail wall. Grumpy lazy guard doesn't notice. Bang, bang, bang. I think this might work. (laughs) 
Every once in a while, I'm allowed to take a break. Usually I'm so tired, I just lay down flat in the dirt. The guard snoozes. I take off my clothes and stuff them with rocks. I lay them down so just the legs and body show. I pick up my sledgehammer. Bang, bang, bang. Suddenly, I'm through the wall. I race through the superintendent's yard and I am free. It's not a good idea to be running around Fremantle in just boots and underclothes, but it's easy enough to borrow some trousers and a shirt off someone's clothesline. I'm sure they won't mind. I have friends who will hide me, people who'll feed me, farmers who will lend me a horse. Nobody will turn me in. That's Moonjo, Moonjo, Joe. Yep. That's what I said. <laughs> That's Moondyne Joe's story, but do you want to know what happened to him? Yeah, he better have gotten his freedom. What happened to Joe? After escaping from Fremantle Prison, Moondyne Joe was free for two years. One night he came across a vineyard and broke into the wine cellar to steal a drink. Fair enough. The police were in the area on another search and were invited back by the manager of the vineyard for a drink. If Joe had stayed quiet, hidden among the wine barrels, he probably would have been safe. Instead, he rushed out the door when the police came in and he was captured. The police said he looked wild. Joe died in 1900. He is buried in the Fremantle Cemetery. If anybody lives in Fremantle and you were listening to, can you please go to the Fremantle Cemetery and find Joseph Belitho Johns's headstone? He died in 1900. How cool would that. that be? That would be so cool. What I'm a cheeky bugger. Now. I know. What a cheeky bugger. So if you had to just stayed hidden behind the wine barrels and slug wine all day, then, yeah. Yeah, don't panic. You got Don't to... panic. When you're escaping from prison, don't panic. Okay, would you like a fun fact, Dominic? Uh, absolutely, because that's what we do. <laughs> that is what we do. Now, this fun fact is entitled Rascally Runaways. Mm. Convicts in Australia were put to work as farmhands, fishermen, road builders, stonemasons, and even guards. If they behaved, they could earn a ticket of leave and enjoy the freedom to work for themselves. Many did this, but some could not bear to be in jail or work for masters who were cruel and demanding. Those convicts who escaped repeatedly were sent to jails that were harsher, where life was much more difficult. They were made to work longer hours and do harder manual work like rock breaking and road building. They would also be punished more severely for breaking the rules. Some convicts were made to wear iron fetters around their ankles to stop them from running away into the bush. And if they managed to escape, removing the fetters was their first task. One way of doing this was to find a friendly blacksmith to take them off. <laughs> the loops of the chains could, be, uh, could also be bashed out of shape with a heavy hammer. Another method was to grease the feet and the ankles with fat or soap and then try and slip out. When caught, escapees were punished by being made to wear heavier chains and some convicts were chained by their necks to a spike in the wall. On a wet night in August 1867, most of the prisoners had been march, marched back into Fremantle Prison after their day's work. Then the guard on the gate saw a group of eight being marched out of the prison with a, a warder in charge. He opened the gate to the workyard, ordered the prisoners to march the prisoners to march through the locked door behind and locked the door behind them. The men grabbed ladders in the yard and climbed over the prison walls. The warder was actually a convict in disguise. <laughs> Imagine seeing that. Like just walking out. Imagine the cojones, the absolute 
guts you would need to just wander through the yard and pretend like everything's normal and then just grab some ladders out and start climbing over. Nothing Don't mind sus. me, boys. Nothing sus. I swear there must be, I'm sure someone has done a study on this, but the reason why Australia has such a cheeky sense of humour, mm. I think, is very much got to do with the influx of convicts that were shipped to Australia and us just yeah. being real cheeky bastards. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just being cheeky shits and being like, we're gonna break out of break out of prison. Now, um, Dom, Kate. would you like a uh, handy hint or tip and a way that you can try out something from this story? Because <laughs> I've got one. I'm not joking. <laughs> I would love to, you know, in a different simulated world. Love yeah. to see if I could do a like an, a proper jail escape thing. Like I think yeah. there's some classic pop culture movies which I'm sure you're going to get to. Yep. But I'd love some tips, Kate. I need all the help I can get. Perfect. Um, for some reason, I thought of the movie, which is not the one I'm going to talk about later. But I thought of the movie Schindler's List. That's not the one we're talking about, and that's not going to be a pop culture reference for today. It's another one that starts with S and a sh- it's a shush, a shush movie, um, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. But, yeah. yes, I agree. I would give that a go. But first, if you would like to give a go at walking like a convict, here's a tip. Okay. Convicts who were made to wear leg irons had to swing their legs with each step to move the heavy weight. They developed a strange way of walking. Even when their chains have been removed, it's said that former convicts could be spotted because of the funny way they walked. Try it out yourself. <laughs> okay. How good. There I'm, go. I'm assuming there's book. a picture. Um, there is of a pair of boots. That's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is all. Just a pair of boots. Um, now I'm going to help you to learn the lingo as well. Yep. A, the term that we're going to be learning the lingo of from this story is bolter which is B-O-L-T-E-R, Bolter. That is a convict who had escaped from custody. Sure, that makes yeah. sense. Willing to willing to go with that? I don't so know that's... any other country that really uses the term bolt, like bolting. Like run? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, that's, yeah, that would be fair. I don't know. If you're from another country, can you tell us if you use bolt? Like he bolted past me. Oh, that bloody guy just fucking bolted right past me. Which is funny because you say bolt and everyone's like, yeah, well, he's whatever, fastest man in the world or whatever. But I'm like, but no one in America uses the term bolt. No, that's exactly right. Bolted. Bolted. I bolted. Bolter. I'm a bolter. Or even horses. I suppose it could be, it'd be British because horses, horses. Horses. (laughs) Houses, the (laughs) Bolton. So maybe we're wrong. Maybe every country uses it. Who knows? Maybe we're just ignorant and that's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm more than happy to be ignorant. (laughs) It makes me a happier person day to day. (laughs) Okay, enough of Moondyne Joe. Let's talk about James Porter. Welcome to the pod, James Porter. Name, James Porter. Fair enough. Date of birth, sometime between 1802 and 1807. He was born in London. He was a sailor. Uh, this is almost like doing a bit of a like dating profile. Yeah. Um, his description. Now he's blind in his left eye. He has two scars on his forehead, a dimple on his chin, a mole on the front of his neck, a scar on the left side. Um, what is what is P U G I L I S T S? 
Whoa, that was a lot of letters. That um, was a lot of letters quite quickly. Puglists? Puglists? Do you know what? It looks like a tattoo of two people boxing. There you go. Have that. Okay. Now, his crime was he stole furs and silks, and his sentence was life in jail. G A O L, jail. He was uh, transported. Oh, I love this. He was transported to Van Diemen's Land. <gasps> he arrived in 1824 and he escaped from Sarah Island Penal Settlement. Now, Van Diemen's Land, Dom, tell me where you can find Van Diemen's Land on a map of Australia. Um, Tasmania. Very good. That is the OG name of Tasmania. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was a proper guess, I'm just saying. And that's why partly it's called a Tassie Devil. There we go. I can see. I mean, I I might have just made up that second fact, but I reckon that that's why. So I've just decided for today. And and there's a movie called Van Diemen's Land. Is there? Yes. Cool. Who is it by? What does it do? I just, you know, I was just John Jarrett in it? 2009. Oh, that's recent. Um, It's about... Infamous Irish convict Alexander Pierce. Oh, my God. I thought you were just about to say James Porter. That would have been so swell. And it's played by Oscar Redding, okay. directed by Jonathan Oof de Hyde. Ooh. Oof anyway. de Hyde. Yeah. <laughs> Oof de Hyde. All right. Let me tell you, James, the story. We're in Hobart Jail, April 1837. Hobart mm. is the capital city of Tasmania. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, there's Hobart and Launceston. Hobart is. Yeah. It they play be. footy down there. North Melbourne have some games, which is quite good. So he's around All 30 right. years old. Yeah. Yep. Give or that's take. About right. Yeah. Now, here's James's story. It's cold in Hobart at this time of year. Even when you're in bed, you shiver and shake because the blankets are so thin. The other prisoners are asleep, but I'm still awake, sitting at a table preparing for my trial. I'm accused of trying to escape and of being a pirate. Tomorrow, the judge and jury would decide if I'm guilty. I don't mind so much being charged with escaping. After all, one minute I was in Van Diemen's land and the next I was in South America. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. (laughs) Besides, I've escaped so many times before that it's become a bad habit. They keep sending me back to work on the horrible road gang. But I will not plead guilty to being a pirate. They hang pirates and I will defend myself in court. The candlelight is flickering in the draft and it's difficult to read what I'm writing. What's that you say? I can read and write? Of course I can read and write. I was uh, I was thinking that question, actually. I'm mm-hmm. sure our listeners were too. Not all of us convicts are illiterate. I grew up in London and I loved going to the theatre and reading books. I went to school until I was 12 and I even learnt to write poetry. Still, uh, still do write when I get the chance. I would have stayed in school longer, but my schoolmaster disliked me. Something to do with my behaviour and playing truant all the time. Mm-hmm. Truancy is a like a word I automatically uh, align with American like pop culture, mm-hmm. the truant officer and being truant. Um, not a term we use heaps here. I don't think. Never heard it. I was sent to sea by my family who thought I was getting into bad company, spending too much time with thieves and villains and trouble with the law. So it's strange that they sent me to a ship owned by my uncle because it turned out that he was a smuggler. Okay, well, Dale, the pirate thing is not looking great for you. I learnt quickly and became a good sailor, tough and brave. I even sailed to South America. When I got back to England, I did a bit of thieving. I thought I'd gotten away with it until one of my mates snitched me to the police. 
Really, some thieves just can't be trusted. <laughs> Snitches. Snitches. Get. Get itchy. <laughs> they get crabs. <laughs> they get yeah. <laughs> they get yeast. <laughs> I was tried and convicted and sent to Van Diemen's Land. I've been in and out of trouble since I got here, but I'm such a good sailor that there's always been plenty of work for me on the ships, whether as a convict or a free man. After I'd been living in Van Diemen's Land for about 10 years, Governor Arthur decided to close one of the prisons there. It was a place called Sarah Island in Macquarie Harbour. He wanted to bring the last of the prisoners to a new jail at Port Arthur. A lot of boats had been built on the island. There was one last one to finish and sail back to the capital Hobart. The Frederick, it was called. Captain Tor was in charge. Mr Hoy was second in charge and there were four soldiers. Thirteen of us convicts were the crew. Now this was a chance which was an opportunity too good to miss. A group of us decided that we would take over the ship at the first opportunity. Can I give everyone another tip? Yep. If you are a guard on a ship, you want to have more guards than convicts. <laughs> that would be my first. It's a numbers game, right? Surely. On the day that we left Sarah Island, the 12th of January, 1834, it seemed we would get out of Macquarie Harbour easily. But then Captain Tor insisted that we stop by his garden and pick up some potatoes to take with us. <laughs> He's just going to take this massive sailing ship and just like parallel park it in the docks and go get some spuds to take on the trip. Salt and but vinegar okay. chips, Kate. Can't go oh, on a boat without stop them. It. Stop it. I actually bought myself some earlier. I'm going to have some after we finish recording this. Amazing. You've earned it. Thank you. Um, we're only halfway through, though, so maybe I haven't yet. <laughs> yet to be seen in my now by this have. time <laughs> thank you after we parallel parked the ship at the dock uh the weather had changed it was too dangerous to leave the harbor so we had to anchor in a bay overnight the next day the weather was still bad so some of the soldiers decided to go fishing now you can see how our escape was not really our fault <laughs> no one was guarding us no one at all it was almost as if they were asking us to escape while the soldiers were off annoying the fish <laughs> <laughs> How do you annoy that, a fish? That is what I'm going to refer to anybody who goes fishing. Why are you going to annoy the fish? Leave them alone. <laughs> you just imagine people like poking their gills shut so they yeah, can't breathe or tipping them upside down. Oh, no. <laughs> or calling them names. <laughs> um, now, after the soldiers went off to annoy the fish, we took over the ship. We were very civilised about it. We brought out some pistols and tomahawks that we'd been hiding and just like that we were in control. How did they get tomahawks and pistols on this boat? <laughs> it's, it's very, you know, it's very oh. low-key. It's nothing nothing too ridiculous. I like this too. This is a nice added detail. When the soldiers came back, they were quite surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Uh, we left the captain and the soldiers and some of the convicts who didn't want to come with us on the shore with plenty of food and some warm clothing. We even gave them some wine and beer. That's nice of them. Yeah. The captain tried to change our minds. He said that if we agreed to let everyone back on board, he wouldn't tell anyone that we'd tried to escape. We didn't agree, of course. Six weeks and one day later, we were off the coast of Chile in South America. We scuttled the Frederick and pretended to be shipwrecked sailors. We lived there for two years. It was a good time. Interesting jobs, delicious food, friendly people, until a snitch betrayed me once again. 
I suppose I should choose my friends more carefully. I was taken back to England, charged with escaping, and then sent right back to Van Diemen's land. And so here I am. So you went from South America back to London, back to Tasmania. Goodness me. My goodness, like mad props for like sailing from there to Chile is yeah. not just like, you know, quick little cruise no, on a it took pleasure six boat. Weeks. Yeah. That's that would that's be awful. Mad effort. And then uh, I'm sorry, I've never understood this, but how does, you know, someone on the other side of the world then get snitched on by a cop or someone is like that's that's what's his name again? Um yeah. Peter or Peter Porter? Yeah. James Porter. Yeah. How yeah. does someone go, oh that's James Porter. He stole a boat, yeah. you know, <laughs> two two years and six <laughs> two weeks. Two years ago. Yeah. Um he should be <laughs> locked up. All who's gonna know that that's what James Porter looks like? And even that's if right. it is, couldn't you just be like, uh nah, my name's uh Philip Strunk. Um, <laughs> I don't know who this James Porter is. Yeah, I don't know how you. to sail. I get seasick. Yeah. And here's another here's another bloody tip for you, okay? You'll like this as well. So it's not as if there was the, you know, smartphone culture when the 1800s. Um, this says here that photography was not available in the early days of the colony, so there were not many photos of convicts. Those photos that we do have are from Tasmania and Western Australia. Oh, okay. Uh, This is because they were the only two colonies getting new convicts when photography became available. This is going back to um, Moondine Joe's story. So it says the only known photo of well-known escapee Moondine Joe was taken by Alfred Chopin, who had himself been transported to Western Australia. Alfred went on to be pardoned because false evidence had been given against him. He opened a sweet shop and then became a famous photographer. <laughs> but cameras weren't readily available. So how do they know that's James Porter? And yeah. they go, yeah, look at this picture of him. There are no pictures. There's no cameras. Grow a beard, dye your hair. Yeah. Pluck well, your brows. Better friend. Definitely. Anyway. All right. Now James is writing. He's in the candlelight. He's in prison. He says, tomorrow I shall tell the judge that I am guilty of escaping but not piracy. I've read the law. To be a pirate, you first have to steal a ship. Mm. Um, Now, the Frederick was not fully built when we borrowed her. There was still (laughs) lots of bits to finish. She had not yet become an official Navy ship and she hadn't been officially launched. She was a pile of planks and canvas and ropes and bits of metal. In other words, she wasn't a ship. And second, to be a pirate, you have to steal from the high seas. The Frederick was not on the high seas. She was on an island. I'm sure the judge will agree. But it's getting late. The candle is almost burnt down to a stump. I'm putting down my pen and blowing out the light. I've done all I can to prepare for my trial. Now my fate is in God's hands. Okay, look, man, again, more props to you, baby. If you can convince, I don't know if it's a jury or whatever, maybe it's just the judge. Yeah, the judge, I think, yeah. Excuse me. All Excuse right. Me. Technically, was not a ship. How do it you actually was just some wood and canvas and timber and stuff? Uh, would you like to know, Dominic, what happened to James Porter? Yeah, absolutely. Did he get away with it? Well, the jury. There was a jury found the men guilty of piracy as charged. However, the judge looked at the defence the men offered and decided that they should not be hanged. Instead, James was sentenced to spend time in jail on Norfolk Island. 
He behaved himself there and had his sentence reduced for rescuing officers from a capsized boat. He then became a wardsman at Sydney's High Park Barracks and was given a ticket of leave. But James was soon in trouble again. This time he was sent to a jail at Newcastle from where he made his final escape and he was never heard of again. Oh, <gasps> wow. How cool. That's James. Hey, wasn't was one of our like recent treasurers a porter or isn't, I feel like there's a politician Probably. Today. We could try and find out. Imagine if you found out that your descendant was this James Porter. Like, I know, that's that would cool. be so cool. That would be really cool. All right, fun fact time. Love it. This fun fact is entitled Water, Water Everywhere. <laughs> Botany Bay was chosen as a place to send convicts because it was so remote that escape seemed impossible. However, shipping and boats were essential for the colony's survival. Everything the colony needed came by sea and whaling ships and other traders visited. Fishing provided essential supplies. Convicts who worked near the harbour fishing, building and repairing boats could not be watched every moment of the day, so it was possible to slip away. Captains of visiting ships were often on the lookout for strong men to crew their ships. Mm. They took on convicts even though this was illegal. The first attempt to escape by sea came before the first fleet had even reached Australia. The fleet was in Tenerife in the Canary Islands. Convict John Power climbed over the stern of the ship Alexander and down a thick rope. He stole a small boat and tried to persuade sailors on a Dutch ship to allow him to come aboard. They refused. He then drifted to an island. John had taken one night of freedom before he was found and taken back on board the Alexander to continue his voyage to Australia. Just five days after the arrival of the first fleet, two French ships came to Botany Bay. They were part of a scientific expedition led by Jean-Francois La Perouse. Mm -hmm. English officers were sent to greet the ships and the French officers dined with them. Hearing of the arrival, a group of convicts swam out to the ships La yep, and La Bossoule and asked to be taken aboard. None of those pronunciations are correct, by the way, <laughs> listeners. Please don't write it. Your French is perfect. It was yeah, <laughs> parfait. <laughs> uh, now, they asked to be taken aboard these two French ships, but the French refused. The convicts would not have returned to Europe even if they'd been taken onto the ships. They were both wrecked in the Solomon Islands on their journey home. Hmm. Governors mm. complained that too many convicts were escaping by sea. Ships' captains were required to pay a bond or a sum of money, which they would not get back if any escaped convicts were found on board. Another method of stopping convicts escaping was to smoke a ship. Hmm, I think I've done that before. Heavy tarpaulins or wooden planks were placed over every opening where air might come in. Fires were lit in metal barrels so the whole area below deck was full of smoke and convicts who were hidden would begin coughing and choking and would be discovered. They're literally smoking them out. Jeez. Um, yeah. One American ship was not smoked because the captain said he was carrying a load of gunpowder and there were 11 escaped convicts on board. Sneaky, sneaky. Cats have been carried on ships from ancient times to catch rats and mice that could eat the ship's ropes, the cargo, or the sailors' food, and spread germs. On the convict escape ship, the Frederick, there was a large tomcat. When the escapees arrived on the beach in Chile, Chile, the cat deserted, came back, and then left once more. The convicts killed a seal for meat, and then left some on the sand in case the cat returned, but it never did. 
It's just living up its life in Chile. Yeah, why not? I mean, being stuck on a boat just to (laughs) eat rats, it's not exactly a life. Yeah. All right, now here is a try-it-yourself-at-home little handy hints and tips and stuff. (laughs) Tie some knots in the dark. An essential job for sailors was learning to maintain the ropes which held the sails of the ship. Sailors had not been able to, uh, had to be able to tie and untie knots in the dark and sometimes whilst perched high up on the rigging. Try tying and untying your shoelaces while blindfolded. Eh? I reckon I could do that. This is, I should be saving these tips for our patrons because that's, these are activities that they could be doing. I'm, I think most people could. Do you think? Tie and untie your shoelaces at, yeah. uh, in the dark? I mean... I think I could, but I think I think I would be, I'd be surprised by how much you take for granted just observing it, like how, the visual, how much that helps. But I think we could do it. Yeah, muscle memory type thing. Mm. Anyway. I'm going to try it tonight. Sure. <laughs> Kate Actually, nice I'll lives. try it tomorrow morning when I'm attempting to get up. <laughs> yes, this, this is where we're at. No, I'm going to try it tomorrow morning and I'm going to, because I get up and it's dark at the moment, to try to do some SSS. Um, so I'll try and do it tomorrow morning. Yeah. I'll keep all my curtains and stuff shut and put on my SSR shoe and see if I can um, tie them up. Just a tip for your tip, Kate. You could just close your eyes and do it. <laughs> I see what you're saying there. <laughs> but I prefer to wait 11 and a half hours between now and then, waking up in specific notes uh, yeah, very specific environment and trying it then rather than okay. simply closing my eyes. You're a purist. In a logical way. And I have to respect that. Well, I think part of it too is if then I leave my bedroom and I go, well, my shoes are untied, can't exercise today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try again tomorrow. <laughs> All right, props to you for that. I, is I a gave great it a go. Excuse. <laughs> if the pirates can't do it, why should I? Yeah. Oh, how should I do it? What am I supposed to do? All right, here we go. It's my last little hint and tip for you today uh, is how do we know? How do we know about these convicts and what's going on? Yeah. So eyewitness accounts is the title of this. Now we learn about convict life from the convict's own journals, but also from the writings of others who met them. It seems likely that in 1835, while in Valdivia, Chile, escapee James Porter met the famous scientist Charles Darwin. (gasps) Darwin wrote in his journal about Porter and the other men who had escaped from Tasmania. In his journal, Darwin does not give their names but calls them escaped convicts from Van Diemen's land. Darwin was surprised that the governor of Valdivia allowed the runaways to stay so long in Chile. He thought that they'd been allowed to stay because of their boat building skills. How just, cool is that? That is that is very cool. What a connection. Again, imagine if James Porter was your descendant. But what are these convicts no. doing going to Chile and being like, hi, my name's uh, Bill I, and yeah. <laughs> why? I why are they pu- they're publicizing? <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> They're not doing it well. They need some PR. There was no PR representatives uh, back in this, this time. No photographers, no PR reps. 
Yeah, you've just rocked up to Chile. You could say that you are from anywhere in the world. Come up Literally. with a backstory. I know. Tell me about it. Anyway. Now, I could get started on another story because that is only two from this book. But I want to do each of these stories justice. So here is something a little special for our listeners and for Dominic too. Mm. This is going to be a three-part story, shorter eps than usual. We're clocking around the 50-minute mark at the moment, but sometimes we'll go into an hour, you know, whatever. But I want to tell you the story of Billy Hunt is next. Mm. And then we've got, because we like to, um, you know, keep it, keep it, um, What's the word I'm looking for, Dom? I'm light. in my own mind here, but we've yeah, we can keep it light, absolutely. But I want to keep it uh, something to do. I want to talk about a woman as well. <laughs> That's oh, what diverse, I want to do. inclusive. I can't think of the word I'm talking about. Thank you, inclusive and diverse. That's right, because majority of these stories are men, but I do have a story about a woman in here as well, which I want to share. So, hey, listeners. Can you join us again next time? And I'm going to tell you the story of Billy Hunt. Um, Now, Billy Hunt, he was an actor. He's got a cute little story. So come back for him. I will naturally give you some more uh, things that you can try yourself at home um, and some other hints and uh, little tips and things like that if you are planning on being a convict uh, (laughs) and escaping from Gail. Gail, yes. And do you know what? I mean, we've already got a late book and Helen's going to be ripping us a new one, so we may as well just keep the book for a couple more weeks. I think so. Just a couple more. Yeah, just a little bit more time. Is that all right, Helen? uh, I promise I'll return it. Please, Helen, please be okay. She's so lovely. Double stamp it. (laughs) Before I leave you, though, I did promise we'd talk about pop culture because our pop culture reference of the week is not Schindler's List but is, in fact... Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank. Shawshank. And did you know that Shawshank Redemption, if you ever watch any kind of uh, Australian sport and there are young men who have just started that sport, AFL, for example, if you interviewed 50 of them and asked what their favourite movie was, I guarantee you, 70% of the responses would be Shawshank Redemption. And I don't know why. I would love someone to explain that to me. And it's a great movie, don't get me wrong, but there is some kind of connection between young men and the Shawshank Redemption being their favourite film ever. Am I I wrong in saying that? No, I think you were totally right. And I think... I think because it's it's got that balance of like blokey boyy, very old school. Probably I wouldn't call it toxic, but this old idea of what a man should be like That's or be strong. Masculinity, and quote unquote. Whatever. Yeah. These are tough men. These are these are men in jail for horrid, horrid things. But then mm-hmm. there's also just a window for them to show like vulnerability and there's a little, you know, there's some sweet stuff just at the end. And then there's like, you know, there's a bit of a fuck you moment and a bit of a mystery moment yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Like it's a movie that's got a all. little bit of everything. Yeah, no, you're right. And listeners, I'm not even going to do a little recap review. Go and watch it. It's yeah. a movie you must watch once in your lifetime. So if you've not seen The Shush Home Redemption, 
please do yourself a flavor. And after you've got off this pod and you've given us five star rating and followed us on our socials, go and watch the Shawshank. <laughs> Simple. Yeah, classic Morgan. Yeah, classic yeah. Morgan Fremantle. Oh, throwback to where we were talking about being prisoners. <laughs> Woo! Well, well done, hey, Kate. Tom, thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm I'm really curious to see what the retribution is going to be with Helen the librarian. Hi, Helen. But hopefully it won't be too bad. I swear I'll get her book back to her. And as an added bonus, Helen, if you're still listening, which you should, she might have just like rage quit this pod now and she might be outside <laughs> my door. Who knows? But I will also bring you a bag of books that you can have for the library. I will donate a bag of books that you can have for the library as well. I promise. I think that's pretty fair. Excellent. But All right, listeners. Oh, God, I was the, just wrapping us up. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was also just going to add quickly onto oh. that Helen thing is okay. that the, the offer is there if she would like oh, yeah. to get us to do some sort of formal apology or performance or, or punishment yeah, on do, uh, camera. Yep, yeah, a book review, more shout-outs. I mean, we've got at least 600 people on our Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I think that the FHC library probably has a couple of thou as well. So this could be an opportunity <laughs> for both of us. But we love you, Helen. Thank you for letting me borrow this book, even though you didn't know I still had it. And I will return it soon. And listeners, join us. We're, do you know what? We're not even going to do a skippy week. We're going to go hell for leather, three eppies, this book, lock it down, get involved, get excited. Excellent. Well, I think um, seven minutes of wrapping up is just about enough. So we might just leave you there. Love you guys. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Five stars, five stars, five stars. Bye. (laughs) That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit. So do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.